Thank you, Music Ministry, for blessing our spirits this morning. Let's give God some praise for them again. Do you join me on this Resurrection Sunday in the Gospel of John, chapter 11? The Gospel of John, chapter 11. And I want to read verses 20 through 27. John's Gospel, chapter 11. Verses 20 through 27. <clears throat> Gospel of John, chapter 11. Let's begin at verse 20. Martha, therefore, when she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the home. Martha, therefore, said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you it. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Word of the Lord, you may be seated. Martha says that I know that my brother shall live again. Resurrection shall be his experience in that last day. And Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? I want to concentrate on that question that Jesus posed to Martha. Do you believe this? Do you believe what I just told you? I am the resurrection and the life and your brother will rise again. He raised me to testify. That's the title I want to give this text this morning. He raised me to testify. Have you ever considered something? Here we are at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning. Most of us probably, if church were not our norm on Sunday, we would be resting comfortably in our bed, relaxing, or just contemplating what the rest of the day might behold. But here we are in church at 7 a.m., Early in the morning, on Sunday morning, 
declaring as a testimony that Christ is indeed risen from the grave. Think about it. Our presence this morning just simply declares that point. Christ indeed is risen from the grave. The tomb where they laid him is empty. The grave could no longer hold him, but our hearts is where he has arisen. We're here because we deeply believe that the risen Savior is no longer in a tomb in Jerusalem, but lives in the embodiment of who we are as creatures of God, born again believers in the person of Jesus Christ. The empty tomb is merely nothing more than a confirmation that God has confirmed unto us that he has empowered us with a living testimony. It was Alfred Eckley who responded to a question posed to him by a Jewish young man as he was attending an evangelistic service. Why should I worship or believe in a dead Jew? Eckley responded, of course, with scripture, Matthew 28, and he sort of placed emphasis on the verbiage of that passage. Remember, as Martha returns back to the grave looking to anoint her savior with the spices, and she is met by an angelic host. He is not here. He is risen. Eckley says that he responds to this young man by saying, pointing toward Jerusalem, he's not there. He is risen. He is risen because he no longer resides in that space called the tomb, which that exchanged caused him to birth a hymn that we sing every now and then. It's a hymn, though, that is greatly influential if you let it speak to your spirit, but it served as his own personal testimony about not someone in a tomb, but about a risen Savior who lives on the inside of him. In fact, it became his personal mantra, his personal testimony that the Savior lives and his heart believed that he was raised to testify about a risen Savior. Here's what he says. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he is living whatever men may say. I see his hand of mercy, hear his voice of cheer, and just the time I need him, he's always near. Now that was a shouting point right there. I would have thought that somebody would have had a flashback and would have remembered how when they listen to those lyrics, how they serve not a dead savior, but a risen savior who's in the world today, who knows he's living regardless of what men may say. Why? Because I thought somebody 
would stand up quickly to testify, I've seen his hand of mercy in my life. I don't know, maybe I'm in the wrong church this morning, but I, I thought somebody would have said, I, I know that hand. I've seen that hand of mercy that raised me up, not just today, but every day, every morning when I wake up, I see the hand of God. Watch this, even when I don't feel well, there's still the hand of mercy. Even when I'm losing my strength, there's still the hand of mercy. I thought somebody would have stood up and testified. I know very clearly about that hand of mercy. And then when he said, whenever I need him, he's always near. I thought somebody in the house would have stood up and said, I know that he's near. I know he's right by me. Everybody else may have vacated me, but he's right here, right next to me. He says, just the time that I need him, just the time that I need him, just the time that I need him, he's always near. He lives. He lives. See, I... I I was envisioning in my moment of preparation when I said he lived, somebody was going to shout hallelujah. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Here it is. He walks with me. He talks with me. See, I thought somebody would have said, I, I know that he walks with me. Every morning he's walking with me. Every day he talks with me. Then he says, not only he talks with me, but he does it along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. Here it is. Here's the shouting point. You ask me how I know he lives. See, I thought the whole church would have just ruptured in joy right there. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives in my heart. Yet that's a strange hymn. It's a strange hymn because when Eckley pin this hymn, he was really telling us that I'm testifying about my own experience with the risen Savior. He lives within my heart. He's, he's, he's telling us something strange, though, about a hymn that's talking about a risen Savior. If you look at the classical Easter hymns, when this one, he lives, it, it doesn't even recount the Easter story. It doesn't even tell us anything about those who were eyewitnesses of the narrative. He makes no reference to Mary or even to those disciples who were on the Emmaus Road. It doesn't even explore the classical theological themes that we hear about the resurrection. L listen to what it says. It's a hymn that really is meant to be nothing more than a total personal testimony. Remember the line, you ask me how I know he lives because he lives 
in my heart. Not a classical theological theme, but yet a strong personal declaration. Eight times he uses the singleness of two words. He lives. He lives. He lives. That's the emphasis in the whole hymn. He keeps trying to impress the point to the listener, to this young Jewish boy. He lives. He lives because he lives on the inside of my heart. He walks with me and he talks with me and he walks and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Unfortunately, we don't get excited about the fact that he lives unless I'm talking about how he'll buy you a car and get you a house and open up this door. But how about the fact that he just lives? That he's just alive because he's alive, I hope, in you. Mary and Martha were going to be eyewitnesses of this glorious experience called resurrection power. And they were going to witness it in the form of their brother Lazarus, whose name means God is a helper. Lazarus, whom the text eventually says has died, there's some things that I, I really think that challenges the heart of Mary and Martha, these two sisters, as they sent this word to Jesus in reference to the condition of their brother. One, they recognize that his condition is quite grave. When you read the text in verse 3, when they send message to Jesus, they said, Lord, him whom you love is sick. Now, you and I know that when we get word that someone that we have deeply come to love and appreciate is ill, what do we do? We go immediately, we try to make arrangement immediately to get there if at all possible. But Jesus doesn't do that. They recognize that his condition is grave and watch the sisters. The sisters are grieving deeply about what not only that he's sick, but the possibility of what the outcome would be. Look at what happens in verse 19. They, they had one, one single expression that seemed to have drew the attention of many. The Bible says that many of the Jews had come to Mary, console them concerning their brother. They had come to let them know that their arms were around them and that they were there to give them comfort all because it was a disturbing testimony that their brother was sick. And to deepen matters in terms of illness, his friend is delayed. Jesus, look at verse 16, Jesus is delayed. Verse 6, the Bible says, when therefore he heard that he was sick, Jesus stayed two days longer in the place that he was in. What kind of friend is that? What kind of friend purposely delays when that person has opportunity, has access to get there, he delays. But, but he's delaying because in the eyes of Mary and Martha, 
the condition of their brother appears defeated. Look at what he says in verse 21. Mary and Martha said this both in their own times. Martha in verse 21, Mary in verse 32. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Wait a minute, now that, let's not get too head and be critical of Mary, neither Martha, because have we not had those moments when it didn't work out the way that we had thought it would and we had laid it before God and in our own personal recesses of the heart, when it didn't work out, we said, Lord, if, if you had only showed up when I called you. I didn't want you to be delayed. I, I, I wanted you to come right then because this situation was bothering us. And yet, Martha at least exhibits a very interesting hope, at least in the past experience of hoping in what Jesus had done and what he could do when she called on him. Look at verse 21. If you had been here, he would have lived. In other words, we already know that when you show up, something happens, things change, but we are only understanding that you must be here for it to happen. That's the joy now of knowing that God, through the person of the Holy Spirit, doesn't have to be here and there physically, but he can work here and there at the same time and everybody can listen and hear the voice of God because God is spirit. Isn't that not what we said last week? And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Here it is. Jesus looks at Martha and looking at Martha Martha, I think, before Jesus could get the word out in verse 22, says, even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he'll give it to you. So is Martha's faith moving forward just a bit in the face of what considers to be a very grave and dark condition? And Jesus responds, by letting her know that I will raise your brother up again. And can you see Martha? I know that he's going to get up again in that great resurrection morning. I already know that. In fact, I'm looking forward to that myself. But now, now in this moment, in this moment, where I need you the most, God, we need resurrection now. Not, not, not in the future. Not, not, not down the line, but right now. We can concentrate so much on the attainment of heaven, and it's there. All you have to do is read the book of Revelation, chapter 21 and 22. It's there. But Jesus often talked about in the Gospels the kingdom of God being here and being on the inside of us, which suggests to me that as Jesus once conveyed, whatever you loose 
in the heavens can be loosed in the earth. And maybe he's trying to sidebar Mary in a very interesting, Martha in a very interesting way by saying, uh, do, do you understand what I just told you? He's going to rise again because, look at the text, I am the resurrection and the life. Mary says, I understand about future resurrection, Jesus. But Jesus says, no, no, I'm talking about right now. I'm the living embodiment of rising again right now. And here's a caveat. If, if you just believe in me, whoever believes in me, even when they die, shall live again. Once again, Martha, I understand. I understand in the future. Jesus says, no, let me bring your future into your present. Because Jesus was trying to convey that I can bring resurrection from the ashes of life. I can bring resurrection from the disappointments of life. I can bring you resurrection from the griefs in life. And I can bring you resurrection even through the processes of life. Remember, you must die though in order to experience a resurrection. Remember, she sends word to Jesus, your friend is sick. And not until Jesus, when you read the earlier text of the narrative, not until, in fact, verse 11, we get to hear, says Jesus, after this, our friend Lazarus has fallen to sleep, but I'm going to go so I can wake him out of his sleep. The disciples thought, well, yeah, if he fall asleep, he'll wake back up. Jesus says, they don't even know. I'm trying to paint a picture of my resurrection in the future. And what I'm trying to do is use their current condition that they might recognize what I'm going to do, they're going to experience every day. Remember what Jesus says, these works shall I do also and greater works than these when I go back to the Father? Here's what Christ's saying. You right now might be in a dead condition. But don't stop breathing because you're dead. Now that doesn't logically make sense. But listen to Jesus. Don't stop living because you're dead. Don't stop pushing because you're dead. But wait a minute, if I'm dead, that means I'm inactive. It's a state of mind. It's a state of mind because if your belief is in me, you might be down, but you're not out. You may be in a struggle, but you're moving toward victory. You might find it very unusual that you're in a space to which it seems as if you're not coming through, but you are because the condition that you find yourself in, says Jesus, Lazarus in, is not that he himself would be glorified, says the text, but that God would get the glory in raising him up one more time. And do I have any witness that God has allowed me to go down 
so that he can raise me back up and I give him the glory because he is worthy of such because it is he who has lifted me every time I have been knocked down. That's what the text says. Remember Jesus says his sickness is not unto death. Look at that in verse 4. It's not unto death. But verse 4 said this sickness is not unto death. But for the glory of God that the son of God might be glorified by it. I, I don't know. I, I'm not all that happy that God lets me go through storms. I mean, when I pray, I, I'm praying to avoid the storm. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of storms. You want to know why I'm tired? Because I'm getting old. And getting old means I don't have the same strength to fight the storm anymore. Watch this. I'm going to mess up your theology. See, God can talk about staying in the storm because God is eternal. See, God ain't got to worry about getting old. When you're eternal, there is no age. So God is, God is. But I'm getting old. Newsflash, you are too. I mean, come on up with me. You, you come to recognize it. But watch this. God, God says, I know, but see, I got to let you go through the storm so that I can initiate the glory of God. And in return, you will see that resurrection wasn't just a one-time event on Easter Sunday morning. But every day, God gives us his glory by waking us up to the newness of life, which is a form of resurrection. I laid down on Good Friday and I may have laid down in the pain and agony of that which I had been going through and I kind of travailed all through Saturday and I had to wrestle with the enemy who was trying to attack me but early on Sunday morning God woke me up once again with victory to let me know that I got all power and because you connected with me you got power to make it all the way through but wait a minute Jesus got a question when he looks at Martha he says let me ask you a question do you believe this in order for Mary and Martha to see the glory of God they have to embrace the decision of God he stayed there two more days the nerve of God to stay out of my answered prayer when he see me struggling he waited two more days and then when that two more days was fulfilled he told the disciples let's go now's the time read the narrative he says I couldn't go too early because I, I didn't want you to begin to think that I'm gonna come every time you call me in your time frame there it is right here in the narrative right here in the narrative Look, look what it says. Go back to verse 13, 12 and 13. 12 says, Lord, if, uh, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Jesus has spoken of the death, his death, but they thought he was talking literally of sleep. And then Jesus says plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sake I was not there. Why? Why? So that you might believe now, let's go check him out. So let me say this to you this morning. Maybe you are delayed 
because God is working and maneuvering. Life is almost like a chessboard. The, the difference is God is the chief chess player. Knows what moves to make and what pawn we are on the board and knows how he must maneuver us so that when all is said and done, we can rejoice in checkmate. But God's got to allow us to stay where we are and God's not going to rush God's plan until God fulfills exactly what God desires to do. Our challenge is, is to appreciate God's decision and that's tough because God's decision may mean not only waiting two days but two weeks and two months and two years and two decades. I not only got to embrace the decision of God, he stayed in that place, says verse 6, the delay of God, he stayed two days, but I got to embrace that death is only temporal. Death is only temporal. Read verse 11 again. Our friend has fallen asleep, but I go that I might wake him up. You, you are in a state of sleeplessness right now because of what God is taking you through, but, but he's coming to wake you up. He's coming to raise you so that you can testify to someone who's already asleep. Whose prayer is also, Lord, wake me up and I need you, says God, that I have raised up to the newness of life to testify. He may not come when you want him. But he's always on time. Death is not only temporal, but death is transitional. Transitional. When Jesus talks about what he's going to do to Lazarus, and when he speaks particularly to the disciples in verse 13 through 15, uh, he, he gets to Martha, and Martha leads him to the tomb. And Jesus, in looking... Uh, he begins to say to the disciples, where is he? Mary steps up and says, he, he's, he's here. And as they are moving to that space, uh, Jesus looks and knows at the gathering crowd. And if you read the text, particularly as you get around to verse, oh, I think it's around 33 through 35, something happens to Jesus. He, he noticing that the crowd is probably in observation mode. What hurts me more is when people just standing by wanting to see what's going to happen to you. Uh, they're not offering a hand of help at all. They, they just want to stand a peripheral and they just want to see. Let's, let's just see what's going to happen. We celebrate a Good Friday. Remember what happened at the cross? Uh, Jesus suspends, stands suspended between heaven and earth. And there are those two thieves, but around there at the foot of the cross are all of these naysayers and critical people who are just looking up and they are hollering out, he saved others. Let's see if he can save himself. 
Now, they also knew that he didn't deserve to be there, but, but, but they saw him among others in a crowd on the cross. There were naysayers here who were just merely looking around. See, look, look at verse 37. That's how I know they were there. Look, look what it says. Uh, some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of him who was blind have kept this man from dying? What, what happened to your, your prayer with God now? Where, where the Lord at now? I thought you said God will come when you want him. He may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Don't look like he on time to me. Or your internal mind, the enemy who says, where Jesus at now? Where the Lord at now? I told you God was not for you. God is against you. Why are you waiting on God? Why are you trusting God? Why are you believing God? God is such a delaying God. God will let you roast and rot out here in this world to do what you got to do. You must always remember, never allow your condition to control your countenance. See, Mary, and you think about it, what Mary and Martha going to do? Bruh man in the tomb, bury. What you going to do? And you told God when he showed up, uh, you don't want to roll the stone away right now. He'd been there four days. Decomposition is raining high. He is stinking. What you going to do? But ain't that like God? Let me just wait until you've exhausted all of your human possibilities to get this breakthrough, to rise up to the... Let me wait until you stop worrying about it. Let me wait until you stop walking around the house and having a sad continence, allowing that condition to affect you. Let me wait until you decide enough is enough. Let me put this in the hands of God. Ain't no need of me staying up worrying all night long when God neither sleeps nor slumbers. And God awake. Because I told you God is eternal. God said, I ain't got nothing but time. And if you want to get old, worried about things that you absolutely cannot change, and I'm trying to help you to recognize, stop worrying about what you can't change because it won't add a single height to your height or a single inch to your height won't add any more hair to your hair in fact it'll turn the color of your hair to another color if you ain't careful but when you learn to relinquish get it out your hands what's Mary Martha gonna do but Jesus does something that lets me know that Jesus is sensitive to my condition when you look at verse 33 through 35 33 says, he saw Mary and Martha weeping. He saw the Jews who came with her also weeping. And he was deeply moved in the spirit and was troubled. His only question was, 
where you, where you laid them at. And the shortest verse in all of scripture shows up. He wept. He wept. He wept because that's a message in the tears of the Savior. Whatever your condition is, I never want you to be laid prostrate out in a permanent state because death is, temp is temporal and death is transitional. How do I know it's transitional? Where have you laid him at? He's in the tomb. Let, let's go to the tomb. Roll the stone away. No, no, you don't want to do that. Roll the stone away. Read the rest of the narrative. Verse 39 says, remove the stone. Martha says, Lord, you really don't want to do that. Jesus punches Martha in the spirit and Mary, I would argue. Look what verse 40 says. What did I tell you? See, y'all not reading your Bibles. That's how I know you're not reading your Bible. Look at verse 40. What, what does verse 40 say? Did I not tell you? L listen to that. Now get a flashback of what your mom and daddy used to say you was a child. Did I tell you? Can you hear it? Didn't I tell you? I thought I told you. There it is right there, verse 40. Did I not say to you, if you believe, you would see the glory of God? And I thought I'd come by and tell somebody this morning, stop reading scripture and then don't believe it. You're going to mess your mind up. You're going to enter your mind into spiritual warfare. And the warfare is going to be doubt against trust. And doubt is going to win because you're not exercising the trust to trust the word of God that if God said it, he going to bring it to pass. Did you not hear the psalmist says that God is a man that cannot lie? Jesus said in verse 3, what, what did I tell you? You want to see the glory of God? And then look what Jesus did. The Bible says he looked under heaven and began to pray. Let me take it down to a deep theological depth. Can you imagine it? Jesus praying for you to the Father. You, you didn't catch that. Jesus praying for you look look what the text says verse 41 he raised he removed the stone and jesus raised his eyes and said father let me first thank thee because i know you hear me i, I know that you hear me always wait wait a minute i know you hear me that's one statement i know you hear me always because of the people standing around i said it that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had said this, he hollered out, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> so let me close by saying, Jesus got you on ice so that he can watch all your haters on the peripheral look and see what's going to happen so that when they think that God ain't on time 
if you stop doubting and start listening, you can hear him calling your name. Watch this. With all the doubters on the outside of the tomb, Lazarus heard something. Listen to the text. Because the text says, when he said, Lazarus, come forth, verse 44, and then I'm going to take my seat. He who had died. Now, he had to die in order to raise him back up. Because when you raise him back up, now God says, I want him to go forth and testify for me. Look what it says. It says, he who had died came forth, bound hand and foot, his face wrapped around with a cloth, and Jesus says, O King James, loose him and let him go. Resurrection is just simply about God loosing you, calling you from your grave of disappointment, calling you from your graves of despair, calling you from your graves of being empty in your journey. Jesus is calling, listen, calling your name right now come forth <sighs> Lazarus in his imagination was saying somebody done call my name hush somebody done call my name I say hush because my imagination says maybe the demons were rumbling in the grave and trying to block the signal of eternal communication. And can you hear Lazarus? Hush! Somebody's calling my name. I don't know about you, but I, I got a gut feeling that on my way up in life that my grandmama was entering into those prayer moments when the enemy was trying to defeat me and I can hear her say, Hush! I got to call my grandson's name and before God Almighty and God sent an angel that would come down but Jesus called me by name and when he heard it, Lazarus heard it, Lazarus says, oh shuck, I feel my old man coming back. There's something new and he said when he came out of the grave, he was all bound up and that's some of your problem this morning. You come to church bound up, you leave church bound up, you go to work bound up, you try to celebrate bound up, and listen to what the Lord is saying loose him let yourself go free let yourself break free let yourself go loose him and let him go and I just came by to tell somebody if God has done anything for your life this morning if God has loosed you if God has raised you up you ought to testify I know he's a risen savior I know he's a God that will bring you back I know God will raise you up to the new of life loose him and let him go and that's for someone's ear this morning loose him he calling you by name come forth come forth so that you can get out of those grave clothes Aren't you tired of wearing grave clothes? But be clothed in the righteousness and the joy and the truth of who God is. Victory. And so I'm celebrating the resurrection. I'm happy about the resurrection.
do you believe this? L listen to Jesus' statement. Do you, that's personal. That's personal. Not what I believe, but do you believe that he's the resurrection and the life? Do you believe? That's, that's a pointed question. Not only you, but do you believe in what I just said to you? And do you believe this? That's a very particular something. This in terms of me being both resurrection and life. Because Jesus called, he cares about our conditions. He weeps for us. And God wants to bring us from a place of despair to deliverance. He's calling your name. And loose him. Now here's something that's, that's not reflected in the text, but I, I, I would assume it had to be in reality. When Jesus said, loose him and let him go, who was he speaking to? Read, read the story. Read the text. Who was he speaking to? He's bound. But even if he told what was bound to let him go, what's Lazarus' role in this thing? Lazarus could have said, no, 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 don't, 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 don't leave me, don't leave me. There's some comfort in just lying here. No. Lazarus was tired, was tired of being bound up. And ain't you tired of the same thing day in and day out? Aren't you tired of coming to church with your burdens, bring them to the altar? and then turn around and drag them right back with you. Aren't you tired of lifting your eyes unto the hills only to discover that when you look to the hills, you don't look beyond in the hills, you just look to the hill and never see the Savior who is there in the hill. Aren't you tired of that? And aren't you tired of coming to church every Sunday and you just waiting for your special moment? Let me just say this and then I'm done. Jesus says, the kingdom of God suffereth violence. You know what we say after that? If you want it, you got to go take it. Now, if you want to keep on being dead where you are, keep on being dead. But if you want to come alive, you got to go and take what you want. Okay, y'all not catch me. Let, me. let me give you one more story. First Samuel 30, remember when David comes back to Ziglag? When David gets back to Ziglag and knows that the Amalekites had taken all, all his stuff, everything that he had. David looks to the Lord after even his friends turned against him, wanted to kill him. In fact, the Bible says they wanted to stone David. And David looks at the Lord and says, what shall I do? Shall I pursue? And God said, you better believe it. Go get your stuff back. And some of you, God is saying this morning, I'm calling you by name. Just as I called my son on Sunday morning early, that you might go get your stuff back that you've lost in this journey. 
Now you might say, I, I, I'm glad I lost some of it anyway. That's good. But some of that stuff you need back. Like your peace. Like your joy. Like your hope. Like your endurance. Like your glory. You need that back. So God raised everybody in this room this morning. God raised you this morning. Testify to somebody today. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives in my heart. Does he live in your heart? Y'all don't act like it. Does he live in your heart? There ought to be a shout and a praise up in this place that he lives on the inside of my heart. You ask me how I know he lives. He lives in me. Come on, stand to your feet. As we extend the invitation to life, I'm hoping somebody might be in this house today.